The red light is on, but we're go, 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 go. What's happening, people? Welcome to the Play On podcast. Myself, Ash, standing in for our host, Ben, who is away today. Also with us, we have our usual gang. So we have Cal. What's going on, Cal? Yep, yep. What's up, Ash? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How are you, man? Very good, very good. Myself. Dope. And we also have Ryan. Ryan, what's good, bro? Hi, everyone. You right? Hope you're keeping well. Yeah, amazing. In these uncertain times. Um, just before we introduce our guests, two things. Um, remember, it's day to day. So, um, as always, kind of, we pay homage to those who um, have lost their lives in the fight to keep what they say is freedom alive. Um, and also, just a big yeah. shout to Lockdown Part 2 kind of kicking off again. So, I hope everyone's well and in a good mental place at the moment. Um, so, yeah, we have a guest today. Um, my best friend from school um he's going to tell you about his weird concoctions of the teams he supports and what he follows but just wanted to give jason a big um introduction and welcome to the play on podcast so jay what's going on bro hey are you okay man hey yeah. we're an a cal as well man really good to be a part of this so thanks very much peoples yeah amazing welcome um so what we're going to do is i'm going to get you to introduce your team the plural <laughs> and then we're going to get you to sum up um, the season in three words. So, yeah, over to you, Jay. Cool, cool, cool. All right, well, yeah, I suppose officially I'm a Man United fan um, since about the age of eight when I was just getting myself into football. So I've had the Ferguson glory years and now I feel as though I'm a, a real football fan with the drudgery and, and dross that's being <laughs> produced over the past five, six years. Um, but, you know, Man United, I suppose, are still at the heart and obviously looking out for their results, support them. And then I suppose, yeah, the weird thing is that I'm, a, I suppose, a Crystal Palace fan. Um, <clears throat> situation is I live in South Norwood and I was just trying to get myself into football life, football a bit. So I thought, why not Selhurst Park, seeing as I live five minutes away from there. I've been going since the start of, what, three or four seasons ago when we had um, Frank Lebeau take over. Um, I witnessed him for about three, four games before Roy came in. And it's been fun ever since, you know. I really feel part of it, you know, cheering and shouting. So, yeah, man, it's good, it's good, it's good. Weekends like yesterday or Saturdays like yesterday is fantastic when Maynard and Crystal Palace both win. Um, but oftentimes, <laughs> it hasn't really been like that. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it's been, it's been stress. So let's start with United. If you had to sum up United season in three words, what would you say? Um, actually, kind of flicks in between two, you know, I can't lie. Sometimes I'm like, God bless Fernandez, And sometimes I'm like, Poch, please come. Because, you know, <laughs> something's, something's going wrong. Um, Oli Gunasosha, I like the guy. 99 favourite, you know, and all that stuff. But I don't know. But yeah, as I say, actually, flicks between God bless Fernandez to mm-hmm. Poch. Please, please, please come. Cool. We're going to talk about Fernandez in a bit because obviously he had a big... Um, a big factor on yesterday's game. How would you sum up Crystal Palace's season in three words? Um, you know what? I'd say good job, Roy. You know, last season it was it, oh, it was poor. Honestly, going to the games. I'm, I'm, you know, in fact, I'm glad that Corona hit after a certain while because some some of them <laughs> um, <laughs> games that so involved weren't the best. You know, one nil here or losing one nil there, but um. And then after lockdown, I think we lost like nine out of ten games, which was absolutely mm. crazy. Um, I think we beat Bournemouth, I want to say. I saw that live on, on the free-to-air and I thought, yes, yes, you know, lockdown is going to be good. 
nine games or so we lost. Um, but this season, I think what he's done, he's he's seen what's what's this um, Guardiola with the three black man up front, and he says he's going to copy that. And I'm liking that, you know, with with Zaha <laughs> and Townsend or, or Eze, um, and I'm glad that Benteke is not playing. So yeah, man, good good job, boy, good job. Yeah. Uh, okay. Just quick, just a quick question. What do you do when Man's, Man United and Crystal Palace play? <laughs> you know what? That's a tough one. You know, honestly, I feel so conflicted. If if I'm not going to sit on the fence, I always want Man United to win. But when the like, I think Crystal Palace have beaten us the last three. T- See, look us. Look at that. Crystal Palace have beaten Man United the last three times at home. I want to say, or mm. definitely twice. And um. And I, I haven't felt too good. But when I see, like, Van Arnold score, it, you know, it makes me feel a bit better because I do like him. So, yeah, I'm conflicted. But if I'm not going to sit on the fence, it's definitely my United to, to always win. But I don't feel that, that bad um, when when it's, it's the reverse result. He's basically just asking for Desmond Tutus all the time, isn't it? Just draws all the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, basically. Just draws all the way. Um, and when Crystal Palace battered us, wow, Jesus Christ, that that was good. But yeah, man. Yeah, it happens. Cool. So yeah, let's jump into the games yesterday. So um, we'll start with, the, with with United against Everton. It was a big, big result. Um, big, big result considering what's happened in the last few days um, for you guys. How did you see the game, Jace? Um... You know what? It was a good start. It was a good start after the Arsenal beating us last week and then, you know, Istanbul beating us during midweek. I got a bit nervous, though, when... Was it Bernard? Was it Bernard who scored the first goal? Yeah. 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 When he scored, I thought, oh, my goodness me, here we go again. But you know what? Fernandez, he stepped up and um, he's making a difference. He really is. You know, he's controlling it, um, bossing the midfield, a real leader. On, on, on the team. I read this morning as well that he could have went for his third goal to score the hat-trick, but he said he'd rather pass it to Cavani because Cavani needed the confidence and, you know, he's looking towards the future. So, yeah, I mean, overall, I, I was I was pleased with it. Good Some, some good performances. I want to say Maguire mm. seemed to be heading everything away that was going into the box. Lindelof was, was you know, was, was controlling um, his part of the pitch as well. Um, and yeah, Fred and McTominay, when they play together, I'm always a bit unsure because they're, they're not the best. But it was a nice controlled performance. And I think we caught Everton at the right time. You know, they've lost two games in a row. And Calvert-Lewin and, and Rodriguez are not on fire as they were. So I think we're fortunate. I think we really are fortunate. Um, so yeah, yeah. I hear that. Ryan, did you catch the game? I did, yeah, and I was um, disappointed by Everton. I understand they've they've lost a few players, a few players have fallen out of form, um, but I've definitely felt they could have given a better account of themselves. Um, but obviously, you haven't got a chance in making those runs. Mm. Luca Dinia came back from his suspension, and they, they did improve. It was nice seeing Coleman you know, do his thing against Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw who played really well, um, but ultimately, Everton seemed to have lost that <laughs> that early beginning of the season shine that they had and I think their players need to kind of get their head um, back in the right place and, and, and go again because they've really they've really um, dropped off and Ancelotti hasn't lost I think he hasn't lost three league games in a row for 14 years mm. so yeah he, we're, we're going to see a response we, we need to see a response from Everton come the next game I definitely think the Richarlison thing's a big miss like his his ability to run beyond Calvert-Lewin 
make such a difference to that team. Um, but what do you think about the Pickford situation? Because last week he wasn't in the team, then was told he was going to be back for this. Southgate's come out and backed him. Like, what are your thoughts on Pickford? Right. Um, yeah, Pickford. I'm not a fan of Pickford. Um, mm. He doesn't fill me with confidence at any point. He just seems a bit flappy. I don't, and maybe a lot of that stems from the fact that he's still England's number one and my frustration from that. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm just not generally not a fan of Pickford. I don't think he's a goalkeeper that they're going to need to take them forward to the next level. Mm. Cal, goalkeeper Pickford, what are your thoughts on him at the moment? Honestly, I think Pickford is a decent goalkeeper, but that might be where it ends. Um, in that game against Man United, you know, there was that that little calamity with Pickford and uh, Keane where they ended up clattering um, into Maguire and they were lucky to not concede a penalty there. Um, and, and I think Pickford, is, he's a pretty good shot stopper, but maybe he's not the tallest goalkeeper, doesn't have the hugest presence. Um, maybe he's not the best goalkeeper that we've seen in England, you know, um, and um, yeah, it's just it's just one of those things where you know he's he's all right, he's all right. Um, mm. I haven't got a huge problem with him, but maybe um, maybe we could do better for the England national team. Mm. Yeah, that'd be interesting to see what happens and what Southgate does moving forward. Um, moving on to Jason's second team, <laughs> or maybe he's first. Um, Crystal Palace won four. <laughs> Crystal Palace won four one at home to Leeds. Um, as a kind of star in and um, Jordan Ayew getting on the team sheet. How did you see that game, Jace? Honestly, I, I think actually I was talking to you before the match started. I had to lock you off to make sure I watched the game. You know what I'm saying? It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was a wonderful performance yesterday. You know, Leeds are a very good team. You know, and everyone's talking about how they're going to light up the Premiership. And they started off well, even though I think they, they drew or lost their first game against Liverpool. Started off mm. well, you know, the nice football there, that amazing match against Man City. So, to be honest, I expected them to come to Selhurst Park and boss the game, dominate the game. And Crystal Palace, because Roy, to be fair to him, has the that methodical structure defensive-wise, we were able to cope with it. And just essentially, the, the Zaha, Eze, done extremely well. Townsend, AU, I like AU. I think he's improved over the past two or three years. We've just done, just, just bossed it. After a while, we had um, who Kayute at the back as well. Who, you know, I know we're going to talk about how the media see black people um, later on in the show, but you know, just, just his intelligence. They don't really talk about black footballers having intelligence, but he's moved from the from midfield to the defence, and he's just commanded that so well. Um, and then you know, MacArthur running around. So yeah, all, you know, when when Crystal Palace click. That's what we can do. And now, Roy Hodgson seems to be allowing the strikers to, to do their thing. And Eze, he wants to show what he can do. He wants to light up the premiership. He wants to, I suppose, ultimately get to the England squad. Um, so, so, yeah, it was honestly really, really fantastic. Felt sorry for, for Leeds, though, in the sense that it should have been 1-1. And mm. the, 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 the VAR call when Bamford, nice finish. You know, his, well, his left hand was offside because he went to the point where the ball should have been. It's ridiculous. And yeah, that to me, that changed the game. I must say, though, Ash, the, um, the, the Leeds keeper, he, he's like a, a poor man's keeper. Oh, my goodness me. He, he, he allowed <laughs> A poor he allowed man's keeper is... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
Dan's first goal was an exceptional header, but he was diving behind the, the goal. <laughs> and, then, and then the third goal, I want to say, Van Arnold. I mean, he, I don't know what he was doing. He can't allow that to, to, to happen. So, you know, it was a nice result, but Leeds didn't really help themselves and, and nor did VAR. Yeah, no, 100%. Kyle, quickly going on to you. So, Leeds have had back-to-back 4-1 slappings. So, Leicester went there. Jamie Vardy had a party. We've now kind of had the Crystal Palace um, sticking on them. Are there any worries for you for Leeds in terms of how open they are? Because they've, they've, they've conceded four or three or more on quite a few occasions this season. Yep, yep, yep. We're talking about the champions of the championship here. Um, you know, they were very successful using this attacking style of play last season. It's what got them into the league in the first place. So you'd think maybe there's no point in changing it because they showed right from the off. I think it was Liverpool they played in the first game. And they showed right from the off that, you know, their style of play can work in the Premier League. Um, and it's just unfortunate that, you know, for Bielsa, things have kind of slowed down a little bit. Like they had such a great start um, to, to life in the Premier League. Um, so I think it was Manchester City, actually, not Liverpool. Um, and uh, they had such a great start. And it's just a shame to see that, you know, they've got like three losses in the, and a draw in their last five games now after winning their first two games. Mm-hmm. So think maybe something has to change. Um, you would have thought Aston Villa, yeah, OK, that, that's the kind of game they could win. Um, maybe Crystal Palace, they that's the kind of game they should be trying to get some points from. Leicester, OK, maybe Leicester's a, a, a much better team. Obviously, we didn't expect them to get anything against City, so that was a bonus. Um and uh, Wolves are a very strong team as well. So you maybe you maybe wouldn't expect Leeds to win that. Mm. But, um, you know, at the same time, that they've had some success. They've brought in this new Brazilian, uh, Rafinha, who's been coming off the bench. And, you know, he hasn't really cemented him, himself into the first team yet. Um, and, and it's great for the fans to watch sort of expansive and attacking football. But obviously, it just kind of leaves you exposed. Um, and Crystal Palace has definitely got the pace and the goal scorers now <laughs> to, to kind of exploit that space. If you, if you let players use the space, they've got people that can finish you. And um, yeah, it's nice to see Jordan Ayew getting the goals. Um, Zaha is obviously in great form. Um, although he didn't score in that game against Leeds, um, he did seem to play well from what I'd seen. And um, Eze, the new boy, he, he looks like, um, you know, he, he does look like a little gem that they've picked up there from uh, from the lower leagues. And uh, he looks like he's going to crack on and be a real good Premier League player for Crystal Palace. Yeah, definitely. They needed an injection or something. And I think Roy's done well. And obviously, they still got Batshuayi on loan. Um, Townsend has made a good start to the season. So, yeah, they're looking they're looking pretty good. Um, another club that looks pretty good on one four one was Chelsea. So Ryan, your boys, talk to us. Happy with the yesterday's result? Um, yeah, yeah. It was the first game in, in quite a few that Mendy did keep clean sheet, and that was because well, you know, like in the first goal that Sheffield United scored, I think it was Goldrick. Um, we were just a bit, just lazy, really. Uh, mm. Everyone was kind of. Made a complete mess of it, but then from there we managed to turn it round, and I, I never had a doubt that we would turn it round because of the um, we've kind of been clicking a lot more lately, and the sheer attacking talent that we have on show. I mean, I didn't think I'd seen 
Abraham and Werner on the same pitch. So to see them two being effective, working together with Ziek being an absolute wizard. Like he was doing some stuff that I was like, oh, oh my goodness, I've seen that in FIFA. There's one time he stepped back, he was on the line, took a step back and he just burst forward and left the guy in his dust. I was like, wow. And his left leg, the way he can just whip the ball in, it, it was, it was, yesterday was, was the ZX show. Um, I'd like to see him crack on and do that against bigger opponents, of course, because Sheffield United are currently at the bottom of the Premier League with just one point. Um, let's see if he can do that, you know, against an Everton or a Man United or a Man City. Let's just, I, I hope he just continues to build on yesterday's performance. But all round, it was a it was a decent performance, and um, yeah, onwards and upwards, man. And looking forward to getting players like uh, Pulisic back. Yeah, and obviously Kai Havertz um, and Kai Havertz in as well because he was um, isolating due to COVID. Um, we're going to quickly run through the last three games that have taken place so far. So I'll just go to one, um, each of you individually on this quickly. So West Ham beat Fulham 1-0. Um, Suchek with a late goal and one of the most laughable penalties we've seen in a while. Jason, over to you. Talk me through um, what Lookman was doing. <laughs> Ash, he weren't looking, bro. I don't know what the hell. He, honestly, I mean, a good player. Was he was at low at what RB Leipzig last last season? Yeah, obviously RB Leipzig. You know, was, yeah. was doing okay. Come over. Um, yeah, you know, he's a good he player. Was. Good, good, good young young talent. But I don't know. The light just got to his head, and these these gentlemen, these young guys, you got to show them that you know. You you got the money, you got the fame, you got all of that, but still you've got to play football the right way. Pull it in the back of the net. It's one one. You get a point for Fulham, who are going to be down there. You're happy. You go back to the cottage laughing. But Ash, I couldn't really tell you. Moyes, I mean, you know, actually, you know, I'm not his, his greatest fan, but he seems to be doing something right at West Ham this season. Getting yeah. some some good results. He just about lost to your your boys. Mm-hmm. Um, after you know a, a good, good good performance, so you know what credit where it's due, mice. Um, you're, you're climbing climbing the table, but yeah, look, man, Ash, I, 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 Crazy. I couldn't tell you, bro. Yeah, you know what? They're trying to David Moyes. I'd just like to say, May United supporters owe David Moyes a massive apology. I've been saying this for years. because well, because he, he, what, what he did was better than a lot of the managers that you've had had subsequently. Mm. What do you think? When you think about the results, David Moyes came in, he steadied the ship, and everyone was just upset he wasn't really playing the Alex Ferguson way, or the football wasn't sexy enough. It was a he done better than a lot of managers you had, but for some reason he's kind of still kind of shit on. And yeah, I, I've never questioned his skill as a manager. I, th- I think Moyes is a decent manager. I think we also got to remember that he he, he came in the glow of the Ferdinand de Vidic, so. Mm. You know, anybody could have. I, I don't want to disrespect him, but you know, a lot of managers could have come in and done what he he did. But he, I just don't think he, in those nine months, he, he progressed the team um, mm. well enough. And and when you're, you know, that that season, that first season, you you want to bring in Fellaini, which is poor in my eyes. But he doesn't even do the the, the business that well. He um, he says he wants Fellaini for all of July, and then we buy Fellaini on the last day. Of um of the transfer window, what's what's Fellaini actually going to do to help Man United? So I don't know. He he said he had Edvra, he had Ferdinand, he had Vidic, um, and that 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 helped. But nah, I'm, I'm, I, his level is West Ham. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I I I think he's doing really well. I think he's one of those plucky managers that likes to battle like underdog syndrome. Yeah. Putting him in a top job is a bit difficult, but I don't know. 
I don't know. But I think I think just credit what he's doing now without looking yeah. back too far, to be honest. Um, Frank, similar to, um, to Roy Hodgson at Liverpool. Sorry, Ash. It's similar yeah. to Roy Hodgson at Liverpool. That's all I'll say there. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Friday saw two other games happen as well. So um, I'll go to Ryan first. Brighton nil, Burnley nil. Bit of a bore draw. Um, yeah. How did you find that game? Um, like a lot of Brighton games, I always feel like they, they should be doing a lot better than they are. Um, yeah. Danny Welbeck just looking, you know, like he's just not going to score. And <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's, just a, it's just a continuation of like the same things. Lalana's good, uh, Gross is good, uh, Morpe is great, but for me, it, it, they're just not getting the results that their team really deserves. And I know Potter's done a great job at Brighton, but yeah, they're just missing something. And it's probably just goals. So Welbeck's you know, probably not the best signing. Yeah, I was going to say, of all the signings in the world to make, Daddy Welbeck might not be the best one. Um, mm. But yeah, it's to be fair, they had a lot of chance in that game. And I think um, me came back in for... Burnley and he makes a big difference to, like, to their defence I think that's one of their first clean sheets of the season um, so yeah we'll see how they kind of do and finally Cal over to you Southampton going top with a 2-0 win against Newcastle absolutely amazing for Southampton um, they, they are doing very well Shea Adams is definitely bit by bit he's, you know, he's, he's getting there he's looked like he's been threatening from earlier on in the season now he's starting to get the odd goal here or there um, and obviously you've got Ings as well who is uh, pretty much a seasoned goal scorer for them now um, unlucky for Newcastle I think um, I'm, I'm a bit of a Steve Bruce fan I, I do think you mentioned like underdog syndrome I think he's got a bit of that as well mm. uh, and I do like to root for the underdog um, and I do think that Newcastle have got a bit more to give man I don't think they should be losing 2-0 away to Southampton I think they should be getting a draw in a game like that especially with uh, quality like Callum Wilson up front and uh, Alan St. Maximan in midfield yeah no I agree um Cool. So that's uh, that's the results from this weekend. But we'll have a quick look at some of the Champions League and Europa League results that took place as well. Um, so Ryan, starting with you, what result kind of jumped out or stood out for you during the Champions League results this week? Um, none really caught me by surprise, uh, apart from mm-hmm. May United, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing Denver, obviously, ex-Chelsea uh, legend. <laughs> <laughs> Doing the business against Man United. That that was the most shocking result. But I don't really think it was too shocking, given how Man United have been performing of late. Um, yeah, n- nothing really surprised me at all, really. Mm. Um, Inter Milan proved that they they aren't really ready yet because they couldn't beat a you know a, a rubbish Real Madrid team. So yeah, no, nothing really jumped out and surprised me. Champions League results. Cool. Um, all right. Cal, anything that kind of really stood out for you in the Champions League results? Um, Bayern absolutely slapping Salzburg. Um, mm. I do like the look at this Salzburg. Um, they do have uh, that that guy, Sobola, I can't even pronounce his name properly, but he looks like a real talent. A lot of Arsenal fans are really excited about him, saying that they want Arsenal to sign him. Um, I mean, in this game, obviously, when you're going up against European champions, so it's going to be difficult. Um, but uh, mm. eight goals, six-two Bayern Munich, Salzburg. If anyone wants to watch highlights, that would be a good game to watch. Um, there's a there's a goal from Leroy Sane in that game, which is so cold. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I don't know if anyone's seen it, but oof, oof. 
What a yeah, he's a monster. He's a monster. He's the player that they needed. And you see the turn that he brings to their squad. And it's exactly what Man City need. And Ferran Torres is not the player to replace Leroy Sane. So I think they're, they're definitely missing Sane. Sane yeah. had another big game uh, in the, uh, I think they call it the Classica out there in uh, Germany against yeah. uh, Borussia Dortmund. And he scored in that game as well. So um, he, he seems to be doing it week in, week out for Bayern Champions League, Bundesliga. A huge player for Man City to lose. Um, but yeah. I would have thought Ferran Torres is one for the future. He's only like 21. So if we don't see the best of him this season, then maybe next season and beyond. Yeah. No, Sani is Sonny's exceptional. Like, And I think it's good to see someone who's had some really serious um, injuries come back and be at the level that he is already. So I think it's testament to him, his drive to kind of want to get back to that as well. Um, Jace, any of the Champions League games that you want to kind of speak about or that stand out for you? Yeah, I suppose just um, Leipzig beating PSG, but really, um, just just because after the lockdown, you know, it was a reverse result. But Liverpool, Atlanta, mm. you know, Atlanta are a decent team, and Liverpool went there and just just smacked them up five 0 You know, I'm not the biggest Liverpool fan, but Diego Jota, I think there's a conversation that needs to be had about where he's starting um, games for Liverpool because he's he's looking good. Yes, yes, we will, we will get on to that. We're going to quickly run through the Europa League games and then when we do the preview for Liverpool, we will speak about Jota versus Firmino because I know a couple of people on this pod, <laughs> they've got some fire for Firmino. Um, oh, before how, we do the Europa League though, Ash, yeah. um, that uh, Man United defeat to Istanbul in the Champions League, I'd love to know what, uh, what Jay kind of makes of that. Aye, aye, aye. I just, <laughs> it was just all part of a, a rubbish week. Um, you you can't be going to Istanbul and and losing to to that to that team and the the, the manner in which we conceded, particularly Demba Bar's goal, just you know <laughs> start, <laughs> you don't right. it on Sunday league. Like what is going on? I just don't understand. And I'm the yeah, of course he did. Of course he knew he was doing. But you know what? I got, I got to speak on it and say. What the hell? But it just, just shows you that there's just something inherently wrong at Man United. And I think there needs to be a discussion about Pogba as well. And if he's really... You know, I think Pogba's been exposed um, now that Fernandez has come in. Because Fernandez is talking a talk like he's a leader. And I don't know. Pogba should be dominating the, the, those type of games. Um, and he's not so much so that he's sitting on the bench against Everton. So, yeah, well done, Demba Bar, an old Chelsea boy. You know, but... Yeah, poor, poor. I like what you did there, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> man, set me up, man. Set me up. It's all good. It's all good. I love it. Um, Carl, over to Arsenal Molde. Um, How did you see that game in the European um, League? To be honest with you, I didn't really watch the game properly. Okay. I was kind of like playing FIFA and glancing over because uh, it's <laughs> like, you expect Arsenal to win that, don't you? Really? Oh. Um, and it was just nice actually seeing some of the younger players shining, seeing Saka's return to form. Saka, Saka seemed to have a great game on that day. Um, and uh, obviously Joe Willock as well, man. He's, mm. he's he's emerging as a bit of a contender, I think, to play in the Premier League now. Whereas in, in seasons gone by, he just seemed like the guy that's just always going to be a backup player. You know, you just play him in the, in the Europa League when you're resting. Your, your first team players, you, you know, you play him in the League Cup, stuff like that. But now he's looking like he's knocking on the door, you know, like to give Arteta some serious things to think about. 
I think his game has evolved to the point where he's actually going to be the answer to a problem that Arsenal have, which is a player that can transition from defence to attack, to have mm. high energy, to be all over the pitch, to be strong, robust in the tackle, and to also be good going forward. I mm. think that's something that Xhaka lacks, that's something that El Nene lacks. It's obviously something that Ozil have lacked, and, and let's not even go there because he's not playing for unknown reasons. Um, so, you know, can he get in the team? Sabayos can do that, but maybe Willock seems to have something that Sabayas hasn't got, made that youthful kind of, you know... Uh, exuberance. That's the word, youthful exuberance. He's got the pace, he's got the stamina, he's got the energy. Um, and he's now adding goals to his game and he's upped his quality. His tech seems to have improved. Can he get in the team? Maybe he can. I think you make a really good point. I think he does something that we don't have many players who run beyond our striker. And he wants to get into the box. And I think if he continues to do that, he will definitely give us an option. Whether he can get into that first team, I'm not too sure about as it, as it stands at the moment. But I think he's given Arteta a very good problem. Um, and you want people to be informed and want people to be ready to kind of come in as well. So, yeah, I definitely would agree with that. Um, Leicester had a really good result um, at home, winning 4-0. Tottenham won 3-1 away, but we don't really care about them from down the road. Um, speaking of them from down the road, though, um, they are currently in a game with West Brom. Um, it's nil-nil. Um, regarding fantasy, a lot of people are going to be sitting there wanting Kane and Son to score. I really hope Kane doesn't score, but please, Son, I love you to score. Um, so, yeah, so we've got that one. But we've got some other games coming up as well. So we'll start with it. Leicester versus Wolves first. Ryan, what are we saying about that game? What do you think the prediction will be? Um, I think that Leicester are too strong for Wolves at the moment. I think that um, Friday's going to be back again. And, yeah, I just think they have too much. Um, mm. Wolves, Wolves are playing well, but I kind of feel like Wolves have been sussed a little bit. Mm. Um, I feel like they've been found out. But Leicester still have, you know, although, you know, what Jamie Vardy's going to do, I think it's a bit too hard to stop him. Uh, obviously, you've got Harvey Bars, you've got um, Tillman's pulling the strings and they've all been playing really well Madison's come back and he's um, really shown what he can do again looking like a young Ross Barkley slash Jack Grealish that's the kind of player just creative and gets about so yeah I think the Wolves will have a bit too much uh, sorry Leicester will have a bit too much for Wolves and, uh, they'll struggle score prediction um, I reckon Wolves get beaten 3-1 Okay. Okay. Um, Jason, score prediction for that game? Yeah, I think Leicester will, will do it. I'll, I'll, I'll say 2 0. Okay. Cal, score prediction? 1 0. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing this as um, Vardy versus Jimenez, and I think they're both going uh, to score in this game. Okay, cool. Um, I think I'm with Cal. I think it'll be a draw. Leicester don't seem to do as well at home as they do away at the moment, even though stadiums don't really make much difference with fans. Um, and Wolves are pretty, like, they can be quite abjurant. So, yeah, I'd give I'd give that a one-one. Um, the big game, and we started to speak about it already, but um, Manchester City versus Liverpool. Um, Jason, you were talking about um, Diego Jota, um, and we kind of have a couple of feelings about Firmino, but where do you stand on on the Liverpool front man, their number nine, 
the person who scored one goal in a Champions League Championship winning season at home. Um, <laughs> do you, do you think Diego Jota should be starting ahead of Firmino? Um, I think it's a tricky one. Uh, if if Firmino didn't have the number nine on his back, I think we'd have a different opinion of him. As a collective, Firmino, Mane, and Salah are are doing their stuff, and they've been doing it for the past what three seasons easily. Mm. But there comes a time where you need all the strikers to be firing. And Firmino hasn't done that for a little while. Yeah, he can piece it together, but so was Heskey. You know, yeah, Heskey was doing it, but you need a striker to score is what I would say. Mm. And so with that, I would give Jota a little run in the team. I'll, mm. I'll give Jota an, an opportunity to see what he can do. And if he can't do what, what Klopp wants him to, take him out and put Firmino. But yeah, one, one goal at home. Is, is is not really something that I'll be looking for in a striker. So I would, yeah, I, I would give Jota a little run. He, he seems to be on fire. He seems to be loving the way that Liverpool are playing. He's getting in the goal, scoring a hat-trick in Europe. You know, it's, it's not easy to do. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I would say. I'll definitely say give Jota a little goal. But I'm not trying to diminish Firmino because as a collective three, they, they, you know, it's exceptional. And they've been doing it for a little while now. Ryan, should clock drop jot his hat-trick scoring striker for his defensive-minded striker? Uh, I believe so. <laughs> I, I've been saying this for a while. The, the excuses that Liverpool fans and the the amount of allowances they allow that they give Firmino to just not score. It's like, you can be uh, a, a sideman striker, you can be a backup striker, but you still have to, you're going to have to score goals. You're going to have to do something. Like, you can't go 22 games whatever it was without scoring a goal not when they need you to step up mm. like, they, 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 and, and this, this isn't just because he's setting up setting up goals it's not like he has 20 assists mm. he, is, he is missing chances that a striker would take which is what's really concerning and there's there's strikers that play second fiddle like Benzema who can play second fiddle to Ronaldo and to Bale or to other players around him but still be nabbing 20 goals a season because when the ball falls to his feet and there's an opportunity he'll take it and Firmino's not taking his chances. Jota, when he first joined, he was kind of winding me up a little bit because I watch Liverpool games a lot and I'm like, okay, okay, Jota, you're new to the team. You're going to come on for the last half an hour, 20 minutes. And what I saw him doing was getting in the way of other players. He kept on like uh, getting in the way of a Mane shot or taking the ball from Salah's feet when they were in a better opportunity. He kind of was out of sorts, but his last two, three games, he's kind of worked and he's, he's kind of seen them working in harmony. So I do believe that he should start up front ahead of... Um, Firmino and this idea of just keeping Firmino up there because of what he can do or what he what he might do, mm. I think we're kind of we're kind of past that. I think that you should play money ball in this situation, where if yeah. the player scores goals, put him up front. Otherwise, we're going to end up with Pickford in goal and with Rooney up front for England, where you just can't let go of <laughs> you just can't let go of what you used to know. Yeah, what used to be yeah, good. No. I think it's time to just move on. No, for real. Cal, the Man City view, they go into this game um, with a bit more defensive solidity. I think Cancelo, Walker, Diaz and Laporte seems to be the settle back four at the moment. Um, they've had a couple of striking issues as well. What do you think Man, Man City's state of mind is going into arguably the biggest game of the season um, so far? Well, they will want to win the psychological battle, right? 
they're looking at themselves as being the best team in the country. However, Liverpool have kind of snatched that crown, haven't they, by winning the league last season. And it was almost like a complete capitulation from Man City last season. I don't know what happened. They were out of sorts. They weren't they weren't playing the kind of consistent football that we wanted to see from them. And Liverpool mm. ended up running away with the title. So this season, you know, you can't let Liverpool win back-to-back titles. You've got to come back firing in all cylinders. And unfortunately, mm. it just hasn't been happening. Um, they've had one or two injuries. We haven't seen Aguero up front. Um, we've seen Fernandinho playing centre-half. Things aren't really going according to plan. And I think this game is so important now mm. for the psychological edge you know for Man City to win this game and especially to beat Liverpool well and make them feel like oh wow City are back you know that that could change everything and obviously being a home game as well they've got the home advantage that you have to win your home games don't you Mm -hmm. you really have to win this game at least draw Um, and at least if it's like a draw where they feel like they should have won that might be enough of a psychological edge for them Um, but if Liverpool win this game this might be this, the beginning of the end. This might it might just be another league title win for Liverpool because they'll feel like you know what we won the league last season, we've come to your ground and we beat you here again. We're definitely going to win the league again next. Year. That's going to give them a whole new level of confidence. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, and I said this before. I think City has to get in front of Liverpool as quickly as possible and put the pressure on Liverpool. Remember, they've lost Van Dijk potentially for the season. Um, we spoke about what's going on up front for them as well. So. I think City have to win this. City are two points behind with a game in hand, I believe. So if City win this, they will go... No, City are five points behind with a game in hand. So if they win this, they go within two points and have the chance to go above them. So I'm very much in with you, Cal. I think mentally, this 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 game is way more than three points. I think it's a real, it's a real chance for City to make a statement to show that they can still challenge. Because to me, Liverpool are the favourites for the league, but City kind of need to get themselves back in, back up and running and become a credible title um, title challenger again. So, yeah. Sure, I think if Liverpool win it, they go top and <clears> it's just going to be, it's just going to be cementing them, yeah. them as top of the league and I, I just won't be able to see them slipping from there. Even though Virgil van Dijk is out, they've got um, some players coming in that seem to be doing a decent job. Um, I think it's Phillips was one of the, the young defenders that they had in there. Yeah, um, Nate, yeah Nate Phillips. Had a good game last week. Yeah, it was mm. good. Mm. Mm. Yeah, had a good game last week. Cool. Right, quick predictions. We'll start with Jace. Predictions for today. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, all right, okay. Um, one nil Liverpool. Ooh. Cal prediction. City two one. Ryan prediction. Um, three two to uh, Liverpool. Oh, I'm going. I'm going one one. I'm going a draw. I think it'll be a draw today. Um, although, although I'm not gonna lie, I want City to win. Yeah, great. <laughs> I, I actually, actually kind of want to see uh, a score like what Ryan's gone with. That would be a great game. Three two. Uh, yeah, I'm, goals I'm from uh, one a Salah and uh, maybe another one from Jota. Jota scores in this game. That might be him cementing himself in Liverpool's first team. He will. I, 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 I see him scoring in this game. I see him scoring. Yeah. Yeah. No. 
Mm, interesting. Final game, um, Arsenal versus Aston Villa. Um, Villa's form has been all over the place recently. Um, they can beat Liverpool 7-2. They can also get beaten at home um, 3-0 by Leeds. Um, so we kind of, we always speak about Arsenal a lot. But yeah, Cal, quickly reviewing, um, preview and score prediction from, from you. Um, I, I would love to hear your thoughts. I know you're a huge Arsenal fan as well, Ash. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, um, so last week we had an amazing win away to um, United. We had this big stat of us not beating a top six team for 29 games. And we thoroughly deserved our win yes, um, last week. I think Partey, El Nene and Gabriel were absolutely outstanding. Um Partey's round the corner passes are just a joy. Like Come genuinely, on. I was I was sitting down watching him and he done like three or four of them that when you're like when you play ball, that you're like, okay, he's a baller baller. Um so yeah, I was really appreciative of that. We're a weird team in a sense that we still don't have enough fluidity going forward. We're still a little bit staccato in terms of what we do. But I think if he plays Saka William um, Lacazette and Oba as like that front four, um, then yeah, I think I think we'll, we'll do we'll do really well. I think we can win the game two one. Villa have a potent threat. They're they're probably better away from home because they're good at counter attacking. But I can see us I can see us narrowly eking a two one win out. Mm, I like that. I like that. I do think. Uh... Grealish could be a thorn in our side, but we are looking mm. very defensively solid right now. As you mentioned, Partey coming in, uh, just looking like he's, he's added a whole different level of quality. I'd like to think Partey's helping Willock to step up his game as well, because Willock must be training with this guy thinking, rah, mm. he's doing a madness in, in training and I've got to step up my game, you know. Mm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, seeing, seeing that partnership of Partey and El Nene um, really helping to make our, uh, to protect our back line um, come together. I, I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, I really appreciate uh, what parties bring into the table defensively. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think Grealish is one of those players where, you know, he, he does very well at sucking players in. Like he kind of just jinx and jinx and jinx and waits for you to commit to the challenge and then bang. And then he just does a little a little body movement to get past you. And I mean, Bellerin's not the quickest on, on his side. So he mm. could get inside Bellerin and whip in a cross or, or, or have a shot at the near post or something. It, it, two, one, maybe. Okay. Hopefully, hopefully we get the win, but I am, I'm not going to lie. I'm a bit scared. Stay calm, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Stay calm, Ryan. Go on. What's your prediction, Ryan? One nil. One nil Aston Villa. 1-0 Villa. I reckon they'll nick a goal and then they'll just hold on to it like skunks for the whole 90 minutes. They, they can't do that to us, man. Are you crazy? No, they can't. Nah, we'll, we'll score. Even though we're not the best attacking, we will score. Jace, what's your prediction for Villa against um, Arsenal against Villa? Uh, when, I, when I first saw this game, I thought that basically Arsenal were going to slap up Villa. Then I just looked at the table and Villa are ninth, your 10th, what, same points. And, you know, they got... Barkley and Grealish in midfield, but you've got a Bamiang. I think it's four one to Arsenal. Four one, yeah. Okay. I think you're gonna slap them up. I think you're gonna slap them up. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I'm you, not gonna watch it. I think you're gonna slap them up. <laughs> you love Ober as well, so I know you got stocks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we'll score two today. Like, there's nothing. Right. I think you're gonna beat them. Yeah, man. Cool. Um, cool. We're now gonna jump into general news. 
Um, but just before we go into general news, we're going to start with um, a topic that kind of came up recently. Cal, do you want to introduce it? Because I know it came through our Twitter and then we can have a bit of a quick discussion around um, the salary and money, uh, sorry, the salary and cane debate. So one of our followers um, asked us to talk about this topic on the podcast. It was a topic around the basically seeing how Mo Salah has been criticised for diving for penalties and seeing Harry Kane being someone who's also dived for penalties last weekend and not receiving the same level of criticism. Um, so myself, uh, I don't have a whole lot to contribute to the debate, but if if anybody else wants to chime in, please do feel free. I think it's an interesting topic. Ryan, over to you. Is he there? Um, I think Ryan's gone to uh, to make a cup of tea right now or something, maybe. Ah, sorry, my, my, my mic was muted because my son came into the room. Um, I'll start again. Uh, we've seen this over the years, um, players being treated differently by the media based on race. We've seen it with uh, Phil Foden, and uh, there was a young, uh, another young Man City player who hadn't played a game yet, and he had bought a house for his mum, and it was just, just very different treatment. It was nice lad buys house for his mum or it's, this, the other guy was the, the young black player was like okay he hasn't played a minute for his club but he splashes the cash on a house for it's like what 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 it's the same thing you just it's just your different wording and you can't see it with players you see it with Raheem Sterling who'll get a hard time over a, you know a, well the white counterpart who just simply won't um sorry right can I just point out that that incident you're talking about that yeah. was what made motivated Raheem Sterling to come out and, and speak about the injustice uh, in the media. And it was from yeah, that point, he, he kind of ended up becoming like the spokesperson for racism in football. So it was literally that incident there that kind of changed uh, it, that, that was one that triggered it. media yes. perception, I suppose. That was one that triggered it. That was one that triggered it. Um, but we've seen it for years. I mean, we've seen Wayne Rooney uh, be able to get away with absolute madness nonstop um, on the field, off the field, and still be the poster boy for FIFA, still be the England captain, still kind of retain all of his celebrity status while a black player who does something similar, where it be, you know, Balotelli, who's just literally just driving around with money in his front seat, and it's like, oh, look at this guy, he's outrageous. Or he done something in his house, or he's done this. It's like a lot more scrutiny goes on play, p- players of colour than mm. you know, English players. The English players definitely get a bligh definitely get a blame mm-hmm. but you got more smoke for Carl Walker for going to visit family than you do for Jack Grealish for crashing his car it's like mm-hmm. what's going on there it's like okay Raheem Sterling uh, got a tattoo which was he explained the anti-gun because my dad was killed by a gun then you got Harry Maguire kind of getting arrested in Greece and having a, a punch up and he kind of gets forgotten really quickly Mm. It's just the, right, boy. But yeah, the difference is um, the difference is night and day, and yeah. uh, and it's it's, it's, con- it's continuing to this day. It continues, and yeah, it, Harry Kane's England's golden boy, and he'll continue to get preferential treatment over others. Mm. I think Jeez, we also uh, sorry, I was just going to say, I think we also reported on our podcast as well. There was a story about uh, people tuning into an Instagram. Uh, live account of uh, I think it was the the musician the rapper and singer Tory Lanez where he had some women twerking uh, on his Instagram live feed and 
some footballers were tuning in and we kind of reported about how it was being depicted by, I think it was the Mirror, it was an article in the Mirror, and it was literally focusing on all of the black players that were tuned in and trying to to make it seem like this was a, a derogatory light being shown on these players when there were actually white players being tuned into the same feed. Mm. Like everybody was just tuning in to be entertained during lockdown. Mm. Um, and it was, it, it, it kind of highlighted there that there is a bit of a bias between different groups. Um, but sorry, Ash, um, uh, you were about to, to say something. Yeah, no, I was going to say, yeah, we've, we've had, we've had, we, I mean, what I think I like about what the work we do is we, we, we say it as we see it. So this stuff is happening and we have called it out, and I agree with everything that's been said. <laughs> Over to Jace, though, like, regarding kind of the Salah and Kane debate about winning penalties, what's kind of your take on it? Because you did make a point earlier on about kind of Kayate speaking about his intelligence as a footballer, which is sometimes kind of, like, overlooked. Um, yeah, so I'm really interested to kind of find out your like your stance on this as well. I mean, uh, strikers will always try and win penalties, isn't it? Fair enough. So th- th- that's what it is. Um, but it's a shame that the media do portray Harry Kane in a particular way than Mo Salah. You may say it's British bias, you know, golden boy, but it's not nice, particularly when you hear all the stories of, of British footballers like Raheem Sterling and, you know, the Man City players, Greenwood. Um, so it's, it's not great. But yeah, just, just going back to that point I was making about this pace and power. All you hear about black footballers is pace and power, pace and power as though they're not intelligent, as though they can't, um, you know, paint football well on, on, on a field, essentially. Mm. And this goes back to, like, Yaya Torre. He's probably one of the most intelligent footballers I've seen um, the, the past 20 years as a black man. He was in Pep Guardiola's team, you know, like, like that dominant Barcelona team in midfield. He played the Champions League final at centre-back. But, you know, all you hear is about pace and power. He came to the Premiership. He absolutely bossed it that season when he scored, like, 20 goals outshone Lampard. And Lampard, you know, the, the intelligent footballer, you know, can can do all sorts. And Yaya Toure, again, pace and power. And I really wanted to make a, a point about uh, Czech um, Coyote because he, I've seen him play for the past two, three seasons at, at Selhurst Park in midfield. And I've always liked him. And then he's he's gone to centre-back and he's done remarkably well there and there has to be something about intelligence we need to start to use a different narrative about about black footballers and, and I think we need to start with us you know as, as black guys or you know saying look here we go he is an intelligent footballer look what he can do as opposed to right quick man you know mm. yeah no I agree with that and I think it's, it's the same thing where Salah was intelligent to win his penalty if if Kane's intelligent to win his penalty, then Salah has to be intelligent too. And I think all yeah. we don't want we don't want anyone to say one person is more intelligent than the other. We just want it to be fair. If they do the same thing, give them the same treatment. Um, and the big thing that I kind of find as well is I always find that these things like the dark arts have come and infiltrated the English game. Ah, uh, you know we're honest and we're this and we're that, but. There's been multiple people that have been diving. Go back to the 70s. There's people that have fallen over over like innocuous challenges. This isn't something that's only come in because someone's of a of a, a, a darker shade, be it brown, be it black, be it whatever, be it Egyptian. Like these are things that are in the game already. So anyone will try to get a creative advantage, a competitive advantage as such. Harry Kane's done that. So's Mo Salah. I don't think the treatment for either should be different. 
they should both be either praised for winning the penalty or reprimanded for diving. I don't think there should be a distinction between the two, if I'm honest. And I think that's all we want. We just want it to be fair and to be to be a level of parity. That's great, that's great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll move on to our, our, our final kind of bit. We've run over a bit longer than normal, but the conversation has been great. So let's just kind of wrap it up now. So um, general news, David Beckham, a documentary, The Life and Times of Golden Bulls. Who will be tuning in for that? I'm definitely tuning in for that. Uh, everyone should probably know I'm a huge David Beckham fan. And um, he's, he's got a few films that's been made already, actually. There's one that I want to watch, uh, which was done by the BBC, uh, called Into the Unknown. Um, but uh, this this one should be really good. And obviously, you know how Netflix have got... They've got a reputation. I'd like to think when Netflix do a documentary series, you know, they've got a reputation like HBO. Like when HBO does something, you know it's going to be good. Mm. Um, and I'd like to think Netflix have established a reputation like that now. Um you know, we, we've seen um, the Game Changers on there. We've seen the All or Nothing on there. We've seen, um, what's the one with uh, Doc Rivers and Mourinho in there? That, that, that was a recent one. All or Nothing. Sorry. Uh, no, I think that actually was Game Changers, actually, I think. Oh, um, yeah. So they, they've got a, a good understanding of, of how to, to film a sports documentary already. Um, and I'm expecting this to be great. I mean, come on, David Beckham. He's got a great story. He's like a Royal the Rovers kind of football story. Beckham is Beckham is our Kobe in a weird way. Do you, I don't know if you if, if you remember taking free kicks and you say Beckham. So when yes, they take a yes, shot, they say Kobe. When we when we we used to play a game in our um, in our house called Beckham, where we put a little round soft ball on the floor and we try to kick it through your table legs, and every time you kick the ball, you had to say Beckham, and that was just a part of us. Mm. And he became, yeah, really a real cultural, cultural player moment. Yeah, he's beloved over here. I mean, to the point where we had a movie named after him, Bend It Like Beckham. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Nah, it will definitely be popular. Like whatever he does becomes like supremely popular. So I definitely know it will it will have traction. Um, I'm not a big reality TV fan, um, but yeah. I guess we'll see. We'll see how it kind of goes. Um, moving on to someone else who kind of um, gained a lot of popularity this week. Um, there was a young footballer who reached um, the target of 7.1 million keepy uppies to kind of help key workers um, and raise money for those who work in the NHS and other things. Wearing a her England top as well. Her name's Imogen Papworth Heidel. Um, and what, what was amazing about this story is it wasn't just a case of her doing the kick-ups all by herself, which she started at the start, at the beginning of lockdown. She actually got some real famous people to kind of jump in as well. So I know that Marcus Rashford, obviously the young man who can do no wrong at the moment, got involved. Um, and a number of other kind of famous people um, contributed to the target of doing this. She was able to raise just under £11,000 for nine charities. Um, and yeah, just amazing just to kind of see something so positive and someone so young doing that and especially as well for a girl to be doing that as well so football is for everyone um we've spoken a lot about the women's super league um and i think some of us have even gone to watch games as well so it's just an amazing story um and we're really really happy to be able to um acknowledge this 11 year old for doing so well um that's a great story um yeah i'm liking this article in the guardian we've got here with the detail they've gone into it here where they've said how 
she's did she's done more than seven thousand kickups a day during lockdown and in the summer holidays. Jeez, seven thousand kickups a day. <laughs> How many kickups you can do it at one time without slipping up, Ash? Oh. I don't know if I can even do 10. Bro, no, no, no. I can definitely hit double. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, double minutes. Um, I could easily get to 40, 50, but my touch isn't what it used to be. I think my record was like 192. Oh, anyone else can top that? Personal best? No. Yeah, no, no, better than 12. I was at school actually the other day doing some kick ups with a student and went back to back, and I did about 54 or something like that. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, it was a competition with another student, so I had to, you know, show him that I still got it, you know? Hey, man, like Mac, yeah? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised myself. But it's going back to the story. It's, it's, it's a nice story, you know, and during lockdown, people are suffering. So anything that people are doing out there to make people's, you know, world a better place, then I'm all for that. So well done. Mm. Yeah, well done, no, it's dope. It's dope. Um, talking about suffering, we're going to quickly jump into um, probably one of my fun, my, my favourite story of the week, which is um, Mikhail Lechescu. He's the manager now of Dynamo Kiev. Um, why this is a big deal is because he went from Dynamo Kiev's biggest rivals to become their manager. And this is like tantamount to Alex Ferguson going to manage Liverpool. Or Arsene Wenger saying, you know what? So Campbell came this way, we're gonna go, I'm gonna go that way. Like it's it's a massive, massive story. Like even became like a political um, <laughs> a political matter where the ultras start to get really involved in this. Um did anyone actually read this story and take it in? Because it was it was a lot. <laughs> Chase, did you read it? Um, you know, I, I listened to it on 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 um, on the radio the other day, and it was just it's just, it's just mad. I'm not quite sure how the hell he was able to 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 move from one side to another, and you know, all, all the mm-hmm. I, I rate him. I rate him. In, in fact, you know, he, to him it's a job, and he's going out there making a living, and you know, this opportunities come up, but. It, these only these things only happen in Italy, so I'm surprised that he actually you know, you know <laughs> took, took, took that. Mad. It is crazy because there are some leagues where you can literally manage any team, but then some of the rivalries in other leagues, it's like that's a complete no go. Ryan, would you go and who's your big rival, Ryan? Would you say? Uh, Arsenal. Okay. Would you would would if you were a manager of Chelsea, would you go and take over Mikel Arteta's seat and come and manage the the glorious Gunners? Yeah, I've got a family to feed. If I had the choice, <laughs> I would. I, bro, if I was a Arsenal manager, I'd go and manage Tottenham the next week. You couldn't tell me nothing. You couldn't tell me nothing. This, I'm there, cool. All right, fans, you can be annoyed, but if you bring the results, that whole thing's going to go away, and then people are going to hate you regardless. So you might as well just do what you want to do. I, I hear it. I'm here. Like Gallas. Gallas travelled everywhere, but who really cares about Gallas? <laughs> for real, for real. Uh, man was a traveller for real, but he, he, he played for every one of Cal, this is what happens. So Poch, Mourinho's been sacked. Mourinho's been sacked and they need a manager. Would you manage Tottenham? Me? Are you, you. mad? <laughs> I mean, come on, man. I mean, I, I would manage him to relegation. That's what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, them ones just throwing the games. 
Yeah, yeah, Harry yeah, Kane yeah, at yeah, left back. Job. Give me the job. I'll do it for free. <laughs> <laughs> Get me Ben Davis, captain, <laughs> playing up front now. Um, no, but serious, I do get it though. Like, like someone said, Ryan, you've got bills to pay. You've got to feed your family. So, if you're a professional, surely you should be able to move to any location and be able to kind of command and, and do the right thing, right? Absolutely. Mourinho's done it for many years. Mourinho just mm-hmm. does what he wants. It all mm-hmm. works out for him. But people are so fickle. If they hate, let them hate and watch the money pile up. Yeah. Nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. There's a story about um, the conflicts with um, Bale. Yes, we're going to get onto that now. So, um, speaking of Mourinho, um, everyone was going on international duty recently, and one of um, Wells's coaches is actually a coach for Arsenal. And Tottenham have three Welsh players who they'll be sending on to international duty. And Mourinho has done what he always does, complete um, diversion of the real cause to look at now blaming or being worried about how Arsenal, this Arsenal coach, may treat his Tottenham players. Um, <laughs> there's something wrong with him. He's, he's your ex-manager, arguably your greatest manager ever, Ryan. How did you suffer him for so long? <laughs> uh, results. Maybe you guys yeah. missed suffrage. You might start getting some you know, big trophies. Wow. Um, <laughs> meow. There we go. Have some of that. Yeah, I mean, um, no, Mourinho's great. Mourinho's great. Mourinho's obviously playing, you know, doing what he does, which is playing mind games. Uh, I, I don't believe he's serious because I'm sure that Arsenal coach at a very high level. Shout out to whoever that is. But um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just to rattle up some um, some Arsenal hatred, get him, get him pumped for the next time they meet. Yeah. I, I thought he was actually... Uh, saying that there might be a conflict of interest there and like maybe kind of hinting that somebody from Arsenal might try and sabotage a Tottenham player's career um, and I'll just tell you, I'm just thinking come on man on the topic of being a professional like you have to be a professional don't you so you know whether it's like you're, you're an Arsenal person and, and you have to do something with someone from Tottenham um, or you know being someone like Pochettino who'd once maybe been a rival to Man United, getting the job at Man United, being someone who, like Mourinho, who was once a rival to Tottenham, uh, being a former Chelsea manager, getting the job there. Like, you're just going to be professional, aren't you? You're just going to do your job. Um, and the fact that, say, there's a coach that coaches for Arsenal and is also coaching for the Welsh national team, um, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing he would be a Welshman as well. I don't exactly know who the coach in question is, but um, I can't see there being any potential of anything going wrong there at all. Um, a complete nothing issue that one. Mm. Yeah, it's just it's just Marino talking because he's got a mouth. Like he loves it. It's almost like ah, oh, things are going so well. Let me do something or raise things up. To be fair though, I think when we come back from the the, the um, international break, the North London derby's coming up. So maybe he's just trying to kind of like get the first jab in before that. Knowing him, he's doing that. Um, speaking of the North London derby, Tottenham's former manager was speaking about Manchester United. Um, Mauricio Pochettino was on Monday Night Football um, covering the Leeds versus Leicester game. Um, and he had quite a lot to say about Man United, actually. Um, so, yeah, Cal, did you did you hear what he said about United? I didn't, actually. Didn't you? OK. Jason, did you hear? No, no. What did he say? So he was talking about United and he was talking about like potential, some of the things that could happen there and 
there's a real good sense of like what he may done, how things have kind of like moved around. Obviously, he's been put as the the favourite to take over. I know he there's also been talk of him potentially looking at the Chelsea job as well, right? I think he's been enlisted as kind of like the next favourite after the Lampard, should things not go well there. Um, but there was just a couple of things he was talking mm-hmm. about, like his, him wanting to come back to, to, to England, looking for the right challenge. Um, I think Madrid has sniffed around him as well. But yeah, there just seems to be more and more talk about Poch kind of coming back to, to, like, to United and actually maybe being open to, to, to that as a real challenge for him. It's, it's my United, yeah. you know, so really, he's been out of a job, what, since, what, November last year? 2018? Yeah. I can't remember. Yes, been a, been a, he's been out of football for a year, yeah. and he's still it. So, so, yeah, he's probably just trying to just cite himself a little job, and it's not going well at Man United, and Man United are still a big club, so fair play. <laughs> you know, well done. You want him, don't you? I think that he's he would be good for Man United. Uh, you know, it's only good at Solskjaer, you're doing okay, but, you know, it's all about levels to this game. And I think he is a he is a level up, he's a step up. Never won a trophy of such, you know, but he's a level up. We've seen what he's done with Tottenham. May not have got the resources for him to come in and, and do extremely well. So, yeah, I would, wouldn't be against it, Ash. Wouldn't be against it. Yeah. Right. Ryan, would you have him as a Chelsea manager? Should Dampard not do the job? Yes, he's more experienced. And he um, he's had, you know, better experience. Hasn't won anything, but I don't believe Frank Lampard has either. And he, Pochettino has done it at a decent club, a bigger club at least. Um, so he has more experience at this level. Um, I was a bit, I've said this many times, I was a bit confused about the appointment of Frank Lampard. I know he's a Chelsea legend, but unless he's on pitch, I don't really want to see him at the club yet. <laughs> I go away and like, spend some time at Rangers, like, like Gerard, and go and learn your craft before, you know, just jumping up to the big leagues. I can go from Championship to Champions League. It doesn't make sense, especially when you're not even that good. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, what do you call it? Pochettino, he's a good fit for Man United. And they need someone who's going to come and and steady the ship. Yeah, I know Spurs weren't the most consistent club to, to, the, to the end of his reign, but I still think I have that calming... That calming... Uh, influence on the team and I think he'll he'll be a great manager for them if they decide to go that way yeah no, I get you um, yeah no, he'll do he'll do a good job I'm kind of hoping it's weird I kind of really want Ole to keep pulling out these results so that they don't get him because I'm really scared if Poch goes to United like what United could become like with the players they've got there like he would make such a huge difference to them mm. um, absolutely but yeah We'll see what happens. Um, over to over to our last story, which is all about kind of like young managers. There was a recent poll about the best young managers around the continent. Um, and Cal, I think I'll hand it over to you on this. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the poll that kind of came out? Um, so uh, I found this article in ESPN, um, which I'm, I'm really enjoying ESPN's football coverage at the moment. Uh, if anyone hasn't checked them out, you might want to look into what they're doing over there. Um, And so what they did is they looked into a list of the best young coaches making their name across Europe, um, which I think is, it's an interesting thing to point out um, because as we know in football, experienced coaches is what everybody wants. Like there's been a lot of ranting and raving about Marcello Bielsa. This guy looks like he's at retirement age, like 
general kind of like working retirement age already. He's a very experienced coach. Uh, coaches like Carlo Ancelotti, Jose Mourinho, these guys will never be out of work because everybody wants an experienced coach, right? So when you look at the younger coaches, maybe it's a little bit harder for them. Uh, there's a bit more risk involved with giving someone a job. I think we've heard both Jay and Ryan voice their opinions about the coaches at their clubs, respectively, um, talking about Frank Lampard and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. You know, maybe they would prefer to have a Mourinho or a Ancelotti because it's just safety, isn't it? But there's a little list here of some of the best young coaches described as being under the age of 45 years old. So some of the best coaches across Europe. Um, and uh, I'm just going to go with the top five because there's actually seven, but uh, let's shorten this a little bit. Um, we've got Marco Rose at Borussia Mönchengladbach, um, who is the guy putting together a really amazing team. Um, he led an under-19 side to victory in the UEFA Youth League in 2017 uh, with an Austrian side. Um, so, you know, think about all of the the really well-developed countries there are in the world, Brazil, France, um, you know, Germany, uh, Holland, Spain, Austria, really? Okay. <laughs> That's yeah. a good achievement. He knows what he's doing. He's got himself a job at Borussia Mönchengladbach. He's got players like uh, the son of Lilian Turam, World Cup winner with France, uh, Marcus Turam, playing really well. He's just got called up to the national team, Turam, now. Um, and uh, Alessandre Plié, I don't really know how to say his name properly. Uh, Plié, I think it is as well, is another one. Uh, so Marco Rose is doing really well, 44 years old, um, managing in the big time at Borussia Mönchengladbach. I think they're in the Champions League now, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah right. he's definitely doing his thing over there. Um, you've got Julian Stefan, 40 years old, managing at Rennes uh, in France. Um, uh, so they, as well. yep. They're in the yeah, Champions, Champions League. League too. They won the Coupe de France trophy as well uh, last season and qualified for the Champions League. So he's absolutely smashing it. Um, and uh, then you've got uh, Gerardo Sion, who is uh, 41 years old, managing young boys um, over in Switzerland, I believe. Um, so they're a team that's always like playing in the Champions League from time to time. Um, I think they're probably the biggest club in Switzerland, aren't they? Yeah. Um, but he's also been linked with moves to Bundesliga clubs. Um, but he started out at his hometown club, FC Luzern, um, as a player where he kind of just started his playing career there, ended his playing career there, became a youth coach, um, and then he just kind of progressed through football like that. Um, and uh, I think the number two here we've got is Roberto Di Zerbi. He's 41 years old, managing Sassuolo over in Italy. Um, Someone who's described as punching above his weight, uh, <laughs> thanks to an exciting brand of football. Um, so, yeah, uh, I don't watch a whole lot of Italian football, to be honest, um, but he seems to be one making waves over there, a young manager to look out for, Roberto Di Zerbi. Um, and then we've got the number one coach, the, 30, the number one young coach in Europe at the moment, 33-year-old, Julian Nagelsmann of RB Leipzig. Yeah, he's on crud. Um, he's, young, he's, young, he's younger than all of us on the call as well. Which is <laughs> 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 like, like, yeah. How old is he? 33. 33. Uh, he's not, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm still good. We say what? Like, how old are you, right? 
33. No, he's younger than you still, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make him by force be younger than you. I reckon I could be a good football manager, but yeah. no, that's just, I think that's just kind of play football manager. I don't know if I actually would be. Oh, why not? <laughs> if, if you really think you can do it, man, you probably can. That's the thing. Yeah, no, he's in a, he's in a great job. Oh, sco- oh, they've just scored. Oh, you're lying. Oh. Kane has just scored in the oh. last minute. Premier League goals coming in. Um, but yeah, just to, to wrap up on Nagelsmann, 33 years old. Uh, managing RB Leipzig. I think they got to the Champions League semi-final last year, didn't they? They did. Um, and uh, he was a guy that uh, had a promising playing career, but he had a horrible injury at 20 years old. So he went into youth coaching. Um, and then eight years old or 28 years old, he became the youngest ever coach in the Bundesliga. Um, and now he's only in his second season at RB Leipzig. And, you know, he's already managed his team to the Champions League semi-final. Um, and it's just like, he's just going to be upwards and onwards. I think he was uh, uh, studying uh, or an understudy to Tuchel. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's known as a brilliant coach. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and, and he's just... It, I think it's just... It, it's really it's really cool to focus on these young coaches and watch out for them because I, I do think we should give them some time. Uh, people like uh, Mikel Arteta, a lot of people questioned his appointment. You know, I, me personally, I wanted Carlo Ancelotti at the time when we were looking for a coach. But then we went with, you know, Emery in the end. Um, and then we ended up with Arteta. Um, I do think Frank Lampard is another young coach that's showing that he has some promise in the Premier League. Uh, I know Ryan's not his biggest fan, but uh, I think the results are starting to come together. Um, you know, uh, the signings are starting to, to, to click. Zayech is starting to look like a, a really good player. Havertz is starting to look like a really good player. Werner's, they're all starting to gel now. Um, and we're seeing the attacking brand of football that uh, Lampard played himself, starting to to translate into his team. Um, Solskjaer, I'm I I'm not so sure about that one to be honest. <laughs> Sorry, Jay. Um, I wish I could say I agree, that, man. I agree that, that that I really like, but um, I'm not so sure what's going on there. And and you know what? And I just want to end by saying the Arsenal legends, um, Thierry Henry and Patrick Vieira, are also young coaches doing their thing out in France. Um, and, uh, Barely. I think didn't actually. I think Thierry might have actually left his job now. He might have got sacked or something. Yeah, Thierry's Thierry, yeah, yeah, Thierry's in. Um, I think he's in the MLS doing some yeah, coaching. Yeah, MLS, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, but Vieira's still doing well. But yeah, Arsenal legends. That's always a great way to end. Um, but no, thank you guys. Another great episode, Jay. Thank you so much for joining us, man. Like giving us the unique view of Man United and Crystal Palace today. Um, no, Ash, thank, thank you, Ryan, Cal. Thank you, you know, like, it's a good show. I've, I've locked off other podcasts to make sure that this one is listened to every Monday morning. So, you know, good work that you lot are doing. And thanks for the invite. Yeah, man, that's coming through. Yeah, we love it. Man. Appreciate you, Jay. Um, I really did like that thing you said as well, where you highlighted Yaya Torre as being a really intelligent player and a part of Guardiola's Barcelona team, which some people say is the best team of all time. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, thanks for reminding me. Of that. Yeah, that. absolutely, because Yaya Torre's disrespect is constant. I mean, everyone talks yeah. about company in Aguero, but Yaya Torre was the fuel of Man City for about three seasons straight. Hundred, hundred. I couldn't agree more. I still don't understand how he managed to, you know, take free kicks whilst in open play. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, I respect that. I respect that. Obviously, again, big shout out to Ben, not with us today, but always, always with here, here in spirit. Um, Ryan, Cal, flowers to you guys. Always great Ooh. inputs and Cal creating and putting all the stuff out. We really, really appreciate you as well. Um, oh, so yeah, thank you, man. Um, oh, um, almost forgot. MLS. Yes, of course. Last the game MLS corner. Season. Last game of the season for David Beckham's team into Miami in their first ever season in football. I'm, I'm just so excited at, at, at what's happened here. So 22, everybody's played 22 games. It's the last game of the season coming up and into Miami are third from bottom. So the way that the MLS system works is nobody gets relegated or promoted or anything. They just play um, 23 odd games every season. Um, and for the, I would have thought their target would be to not finish bottom. Being as, being as they've just come together. And they are currently sitting third from bottom with one game to go. They, they can't finish bottom. Cincinnati is bottom of the league on 16 points. DC United is second bottom, 13th with 21 points. And Inter Miami are 12th place on 21 points. And if they win their last game, they have every chance. They could leapfrog up to 10th. So, yeah, just... Shout out to Inet Miami and everyone involved there. Um, I'm going to enjoy watching uh, the highlights of the next game because I'm not staying up till stupid o'clock to watch it. Oh, actually, actually, the the last game of the season is, uh, I think I remember checking the fixtures and seeing that it's going to be televised at a decent time. It's going to be at like 8.30 p.m. So if anybody wants to, to tune into that, you should be able to see the last round of matches uh, in the MLS. Dope. And they can then playoffs, right? Or no, they don't do playoffs for it. Yeah, they, they, so it's pretty, pretty similar to how they do it in the NBA, where they have mm. their their league season and then they go into playoffs afterwards. But you need to finish quite high up in the table cool. to qualify for the playoffs. So yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, for Inter Miami, they'll be playing Cincinnati in their last game, which is actually today at three thirty p.m. Dope. Let's do it. I might actually watch it. Yeah, I might watch it. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. Um, but yeah, no, an amazing way to end. Um, thank you as always. Um, our Instagram is podcast play on. You can find us there. You can also find us at beer rap and bounce on Instagram, um, Twitter, search us. We're always there. This comes out on all streaming platforms. Um, look out for. for BRB being back next week and the podcast play on being back in two weeks. I've been Ash. I've been Cal and uh, I just misinformed you on the time because it's 3.30pm Eastern time, which is like 8.30pm this evening. Okay. Yeah, Ryan. And, and, and Jason, I guess. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was going to say thank you one more time to our guest, Jace, for being, for being present. All right, cheers, gents. Wicked. All right, guys, have a good Sunday. Peace. Bye-bye.